Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. Uh, these stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up. Or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right, it's unjust, and Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out, or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE, or go to timesharejesse.com, Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. I want you to imagine something. 
You are holding on to your rifle. Your friends are around you holding on to their rifles. The conditions are hot and dry. And you know what it's like when you're super dehydrated and your mouth kind of does that gummy off, that just awful feeling. Awful. You know what I'm talking about. Maybe you're there right now. The sun has already sunburnt your neck and legs to a crisp. And you know it's about time for you to charge. Your officer is about to blow the whistle, and you are going to charge. You're going to charge with your friends. I want you to think about those butterflies you got in your stomach the last time or maybe the only time you had to get up and speak at a conference or give a presentation at work. Maybe you'll have to go all the way back to school days. What I want you to think about is butterflies in your stomach before a sporting event, whatever the case may be. Now, I want you to take those butterflies and turn them up about a thousand notches because people are screaming and dying all around you already. So that dry mouth you would have had in the desert without water anyway, it's cranked to the max. Only as dry as your mouth is, that's as wet as your hands are because your hands are sweating. So you grip your rifle tighter and tighter. You look down and you actually see your knuckles are white. Your best friend is sitting there next to you. You guys have gone through all the training together. You took the boat to get to this country together. And you are about to have to go over the top and charge into the maw. Steel flying through the air all around you with injuries like not only have you never seen, you've never heard of before. People are people are laying there who you know and their faces are gone. Their faces are gone. That's not, that's not the combat you were told about. Finally, you hear it. You hear the whistle blow. You look at your buddy in the eye, and you both charge over the top, yelling as loud as you can, trying to get your courage up as high as it can go, and boom. You see your buddy drop. He's shot through the spine in the waist area. Paralyzed from the waist down. You, of course, stop and try to help him, but you are swept up with the rest of the platoon and your officer who knows you don't have time to help him or you're all going to die. Leave him there. Go, go, go. Your buddy looks up at you, and then a look of absolute horror flashes across his face 
because not only is he shot through the spine with legs that don't work anymore, he happened to land on an ant pile of fire ants who are now swarming over his body. By the grace of God, you look back one more time from 50 yards ahead and you see him pass out from the pain before they finish him off. That is not a tale from some horror movie, from some Stephen King thing, from some graphic novel. That's how people died in the Boer War. Specifically, we're talking about the Second Boer War, South Africa. That's a real story. Now, why is anybody fighting over anything in South Africa? Well, let's talk about that for a moment. I normally ask you to pull up a map of some kind or a picture of some kind if, if I want you to visualize something. And you're certainly welcome to pull up a map right now of South Africa. But Lord willing, you already know where South Africa is, my word. If you don't know where South Africa is, I would tell you not to be ashamed, but frankly, you should be. The southern tip of Africa. And if you're shipping things and people to and fro in the old, old, old days from Europe to India, the Spice Islands, all that, and back again, you have to go around that cape. You simply do. There's not another direction. There's no other direction that makes sense. That's what you do. To Europe, from Europe, you're sailing around that cape. And so things like settlements, economics, sometimes these things are simply unavoidable. The best way I can describe what happened at the cape is this. I want you to imagine There are no towns or cities in the United States of America at all. It's one gigantic barren land. There's only New York City and there's only Los Angeles. And for whatever reason, you cannot build anywhere else. Those are the only two places people live. Except there's one little spot in, oh, say, Nebraska where people are allowed to build. How would that go? What would happen there? Well, you know, don't you? At first, it would be probably just a gas station. My goodness, we got, they got to fill up. I hope you brought some extra tanks. Hope somebody drove a Toyota. The gas station would turn into what? It would turn into, obviously, restaurants, hotels. Only now, you have to imagine these restaurants, hotels, gas stations, they're not They're not staffed by robots. I mean, they probably will be here in a couple years, but at this point, they're not staffed by robots. They need employees. Well, there's no other place for them to live. They have to live there. So now you're building housing. Now you're building housing. And well, what's another thing people have when you have employees come? They have kids. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, shoot. All right. Now we're going to need a school. 
Man, what if somebody gets sick? Someone got sick and no one was there to help him. We better get a doctor. Oh, shoot, now we need a dentist, too. You know what? Let's go ahead and open a medical office. Are you understanding how this goes? That's how so many of these settlements happen. They start small as a resupply, and they grow, and they grow, and they grow, and they grow. And that is what happened when the Dutch essentially settled South Africa. Talking about the southern tip. It was a resupply, refit. That's a long journey on a ship. Come on in, get some fresh food, get some fresh water, rest up, get a get some stitching for the sail or whatever else they needed on the old thing. It started there. The Dutch settled it. And it grew. And it grew. And it grew and it grew some more for exactly this reason. Now, what's another major reason people will leave their nation? I'll tell you in a second. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. You're welcome. Your credit cards are easy to get a hold of online. Your social security number, your address, your bank accounts. These are things that cyber criminals can get their hands on with zero effort whatsoever. And every time you log in, every time you shop online, I don't care how secure that website says it is, you're vulnerable. Don't take my word for it. Look at the news. Look at all these supposedly secure websites that get hacked all the time. These cyber criminals, they spend their time prowling around looking for your information. And when they get it, they can crush you. Identity Hero, though, they can protect you. And if the worst happens and they get by Identity Hero, they reimburse you dollar for dollar. And all this for $7.95 a month. Go to IdentityHero.net slash Jesse. The Jesse Kelly Show. There's a colony in South Africa springing up. Got a nice gas station. I hear they're putting in a mall. I'm kidding. This is older times, but still, it's still that. And they're kind of free. I mean, they're Dutch, but pretty away from prying eyes. Do you think that would be appealing to, say, a strict religious group? The Calvinists, I will admit I'm not entirely familiar with all the different sects of Christianity at all, but I know enough to know this. Calvinists are, and I'm not indicting you if you are one. Believe me, I would if I, if I knew enough about it or something like that. I'm just, it sounds fine to me. They were just a strict, strict Christian you know, sect, if you will. And when I say strict, I mean... Biblical to the letter of the law, 
You have a strong male patriarch in the family, period, end of story. You have large families. Go forth, populate the earth. They took that crap seriously. And I'm not making that up. We're talking, you know, you're cranking. Look, if you can, you're having 15 kids. You're having 20 kids. Frankly, from what you read about them, there are some, obviously, some, I mean, not everything looks great in hindsight, but sounds like a fairly admirable society. Not a lot of vices, at least not ones they brag about. Big kids or big families, strong marriages, no divorces, worship God, very clean living, very neat, very hardworking people. Almost by the by the sounds of it, sounded almost Amish. And I don't know how familiar you are with the Amish here in America. I am because we have some Amish in my grandpa's side. A lot of it, actually. My grandpa's part Amish. And so we'd spend a little time up there when we were kids. And Amish are always looked, I mean, people look at them a little side-eyed. Don't use electricity. All that seems backwards. They are the kindest Hardest working people I've ever known in my entire life and very, very pleasant to be around. Very pleasant to be around. Oh my gosh, and the food. Oh. They 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 you don't you've never heard Amish food, Chris? Again, there's no electricity. They believe in doing everything the old way. They churn their own butter from a cow. I want you to imagine. A pie baked by a woman who churned the butter, grew the wheat for the flour, planted and picked the cherries that are going into the cherry pie. It is the best thing you have ever eaten in your entire life. When we used to go up there and visit, my old man, he used to stop and just grab just big globs of Amish butter up there because it's the best thing you've ever eaten in your life. Don't get me sidetracked, Chris, all right? But that, that's what I pictured. If you're a Calvinist and you're losing your mind right now because I misclassified your religion, you're welcome to call and scream at me because I tell you I'm not an expert at it. 877-377-4373. 877-377-4373. All I'm saying is it sounded very Amish. It sounded very, very admirable. They move there. Why not? Kind of a kind of a westward expansion in America thing. Let's go down to the frontier. And like a westward expansion in America thing, it can get awfully dangerous for the animals, not just the ants and the tribes, the people who live there. Remember, there are African tribes all over the place. And so not only do these families establish these large farms, we're talking plantation-type things. Not only do they establish these large farms, they learn very quickly how to protect themselves. When I said Amish, the one area where I'd say these guys kind of differ is they are not a passive group by any stretch of the imagination. They are strict with themselves. They are dang strict with you. They have firearms, they know how to use them, and they will not hesitate to do so. These are people who live on the prairie, so to speak. They live in the wilderness, and they are going to protect themselves. And when I remember when I said large families, 
you better be real careful when you step on one of those farms and you start trouble because there's not a dude with weapons. There are multiple, lots, 20, 30, 40 of them all related. All of them will happily die to protect their family and their farm. You just just keep your distance. Keep your distance. And very experienced at it because, like I said, they moved into a wild, wild place. Now, you should know, and this is important to the story, which I'm going to get to eventually, you should know that the British eventually take this place over. Why do they take it over? I just love this. You know I love these tidbits, how all of history blends together. They took it over during the Napoleonic Wars. Isn't that crazy? Because of Napoleon and all that. A little transfer of power here, a little transfer of power there. But that's not the end of the world if you're the people living there, right? We're going to start calling them the Boers now because that's who they are, the people in South Africa. Who cares if it's the Dutch or the British? They're, I mean, I'm sure it would be fine, only it's not necessarily fine. You see, the Brits were going to colonize this area a little bit differently than the Dutch did. The Brits... They're a little more hands-on. They're a little more Roman with the way they handled their colonization. And they had a certain way they wanted to do things. And there was a religious tension there between the Calvinists and the Brits, too. Now, I'm not calling the Brits at this time a bunch of satanic monsters. They just weren't Calvinists. They were a Christian nation, too, at the time. There's Christian, and then there's Calvinist Christian. And I bring these things up because it mattered a lot back then. You may not think of life in these terms. People did back then. That's how they thought of things. Well, here's a problem. You see, I'm a Calvinist patriarch. I've got my large farm, prosperous. My family's doing fine, eating well. We are all armed and trained because it's a dangerous place. And you know what? We don't have many problems on our farm because anytime we've really had a problem, we've gone out and killed anybody who came onto our farm or in the very least made their life very miserable. And the word got out that our farm is not a place you want to come anymore. So what's the problem? Only here's the problem. The English now take over and the English step in and they tell these farmers, hey, um, you're not allowed to just shoot some tribesmen that try to invade your land. We have laws here. You have to arrest them, or I'll tell you what, you don't even do that. We'll come arrest them, and then we'll work things out. And you're the farmer, and you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, so I'm not allowed to take care of business anymore, but you're going to. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the deal, that's the deal. But then the Brits never show up and actually take care of it. Now you've got tensions rising. And tensions are rising. And when I say tensions are rising, in the interest of time, just understand that I am skipping over gigantic political issues, gigantic tensions between the Brits and the Boers. Shoot, I'm skipping over a war. The war we're talking about today is the second Boer War. There was a first. And it's becoming more and more of a problem. Because I mean, the Boers are even seeing things like, you remember the Zulus? Remember when we talked about Shaka Zulu? And what a great conqueror he was? 
Remember how all history blends together? It actually matters for our story, too. Hang on a sec. You lock the doors of your home, don't you? You lock the doors of your car. You have insurance, right? Home insurance, medical insurance, car insurance. You take these steps so you're not financially ruined by a bad person, by the unexpected. So why don't you have HomeTitleLock.com yet? You know that may possibly be the biggest financial exposure you have out there right now. Your home title is vulnerable, extremely vulnerable. These cyber criminals can get a hold of it, get your signature on it, take a loan out against it, and financially destroy you. And that home insurance you have, it's not going to cover it. Go to HomeTitleLock.com right now. Register your address. See if you're already a victim of home title theft. While you're there, sign up. Use the promo code JESSE. Get yourself 30 free days of protection. HomeTitleLock.com. talked about Shaka of the Zulu and remember what he did how he reformed his army expanded his army and started stomping the crap out of all the other people around him he was a huge conqueror it was freaking awesome a little brutal I admit it there were some atrocities in there <laughs> if you want to if we're gonna put too fine a point on it I mean sure fed people to jackals and stuff it's fine But what happens when a conqueror moves into an area and starts conquering? People who don't want to be slaughtered or enslaved or live under that conqueror's rule, they leave. Do you remember where Shaka Zulu was? Oh, yeah. Those people started to flee, and they started to flee down towards the Boers which is a major, major problem because the thing is everybody fleeing from war, everybody fleeing from conquest, as you may have remembered in recent years, is not some innocent little dainty flower. There are extremely bad people, extremely warlike people who flee wars because they're not strong enough to beat the dude who's beating everyone up. They start storming onto these Boer lands. Well, the Boers wouldn't have had a problem handling that for the most part. Shoot, even the Zulus tried to storm onto Boer lands. It's a famous battle. I think it's called, gosh, bloody, Battle of Bloody River. I think that's what it's called, where there were tons of Zulus. I think thousands took on a few hundred Boers, and the Zulus got their butts handed to them. Like I said, the Boers can fight. These people can fight. But Boers want to protect these lands when a tribe comes on, and Britain's all, no, they're under English law. Only Britain's not sending anybody to protect them. And remember what we've always talked about when it comes to colonies. It's a two-way street, Jack. If I'm going to pay taxes, 
and you're going to be the big man in charge, and I'm going to have to pay homage to you. That ticks me off, but fine. But I better get all the protections that come with that. I better get all the protections that come with that, or or this ain't going to work. Well, they weren't feeling protected. They really ended up starting two of their own republics, separate, completely, completely free states. Britain didn't necessarily acknowledge these. This is a real sport of a real spot of tension. Kind of acknowledged, didn't acknowledged. Okay, Britain's like, all right, we'll leave you alone. Don't worry. You can have your own thing. We don't want to look bad on the world stage. Just do your thing. Oh, what's that? You you just had huge gold and diamond deposits discovered on your land? Ah, remember what we said about hands off? That's gone now. I think they were the largest gold deposits in the world at the time. If not, they were significant. I know that. In a time when, I mean, gold is always valuable, but this is at a time where gold was really at a premium worldwide. So they discover these mines, and the Brits start softly moving in. And when I say softly moving in, I mean, well, let's build that gas station, right? I mean, we need, we got to have fuel. I'm mean, obviously using a modern term, but, well, we're going to need a shop. Well, let's bring in some miners. Let's bring in this. Let's bring in that. And what else goes with things like miners? Bars. Hookers. Things that a strict cow... No, Chris, no, it doesn't sound awesome. What is wrong with you? Things that a strict Calvinist place, you think they might have an issue if you're that fundamentalist? You're that family-oriented, and now you have to send young daughter to town and she gets catcalled. 16-year-old goes to town, comes home smelling like perfume one day because 16-year-old boys are going to 16-year-old boy now and then. You think it's going to be an issue? Oh, it was a major, major issue. And again, when I tell you I'm skipping over a ton of things in the interest of time, believe me, I am. Finally, tensions got way, way too high. And now it's on. Now the Boers say, screw you, it's war, it's on. Now the Brits do not have very many troops here at this time. They are outnumbered by the Boers at this time, but I cannot stress this enough. They're only outnumbered by the Boers in South Africa at this time. The Brits are by a significant margin, probably. We're talking the year 1900, the most powerful nation in the world. Now, we're getting to that age, as you know, we're approaching World War I era where Germany is quickly rising and France is very strong. But if you had to pick one country you wouldn't want to tangle with right now, it would be Britain. They were the financial capital of the world. And remember, they still had colonies all over the world. What's something you cannot afford if you have colonies all over the world? 
You cannot afford an upstart in South Africa giving you the middle finger. It's not even about those precious gold mines. It's not even about South Africa. It's about places like India for Britain. Remember, Britain and India are forever linked. And India is its basically a bank for Britain with all the materials and wealth they pull out of that place. And India is liable to go wild anytime, and they certainly are going to go wild if they see you can't control that little colony in South Africa. Well, screw you. We want to be independent too. You see what I mean? If you're Britain, you can't, you can't afford to let this go. So the Boers go all in. They are led by, I mean, again, these are admirable people. They're led by these brave, stoic men. And they kick the crap out of the Brits early on because the Boers are tough as nails and there aren't that many Brits. But the Boers know they must score huge decisive victories early if they want any chance of success. Because if they don't, the Brits are coming and there's no chance the Boers have against the Brits if the Brits get there. The Boers do win early, but they don't win big enough or often enough, and eventually the Brits arrive. And this entire conflict is awesome, awesome. But the Brits arrive. The Brits arrive, and there's one railway through South Africa. And now, because all the Brits are here, the Boers are on the defensive, and they know they're on the defensive. But... You're a fan of the show. It's the year 1900. What's about to happen here in a decade and a half? Come on, you know. World War I. What took place in World War I? What kind of fighting was in World War I? Trench warfare. Trench warfare combined with repeating rifles. World War I, we're talking machine guns and repeating rifles. Artillery. World War I was so horrific, remember, because this was the era where the technology had outpaced the tactics. And people say the generals, they had, they had no idea. They just... It's not their fault what happened on the Western Front. Maybe they should have had an idea. Hang on. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time Shiro to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. 
Start saving more for retirement now so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org slash Shiro. A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. This is the age where the defender has all the advantages because of the machine guns, because of the repeating rifles, because of the trench warfare, because of barbed wire. Remember, that had a lot to do with World War I. That made it a defender's dream. And the offensive tactics for how to beat those things would not be developed until World War I. 20 years from now, almost. So the Boers dig in. And the Boers start slapping them around again, or at least making a good show of it for themselves. But there are simply too many Brits, too much ammunition, too much food. And so the Boers decide they have to come up with a new strategy. And they do. Guerrilla warfare. Should be noted before I go on, I wanted to make sure I brought this up. People like Lord Horatio Kitchener and a young man by the name of Winston Churchill, maybe you've heard of him, they were all fighting in this war. All of them. So you get some really good accounts of the war. Of course, Churchill gives you a great one. You know, I mean, who's better than Churchill? No, Churchill wasn't a crappy fighter in World War I, Chris. No, in World War I, he was, uh, I believe, Secretary of the Navy for a while. And then he got ousted in World War I because he called for sending a bunch of old battleships down to essentially Turkey. And they got slapped around down there. The whole mission was a disaster. But don't sidetrack me, Chris. We're not talking about that history right now. All right, so the Boers decide they're going to go full-out guerrilla warfare. Remember I said there's only one railway through South Africa? The Boers start savaging this railway. They start ambushing all the British weak spots like guerrillas do. Not going to run up and attack a British stronghold. They get slaughtered. They wait and find a, a British wagon train. Boom, take all the food and ammo. Take off. They commit themselves to not even carry supplies. One of the coolest things I've ever heard was right prior to when they decided they were going guerrilla warfare, one of the commanders for the Boers sent all his men on 10 days of leave. And his fellow commanders and his fellow Boers were like, what are you doing? Lots of these guys aren't going to come back. They're worn out. They've been fighting. He's like, yeah, anyone who doesn't come back, someone I don't want to come back. I only want committed people here. (laughs) I told you these guys were awesome. And the Brits respond. The Brits respond to these attacks on their railway by trying to set up more pillboxes, more barbed wire, trying to get at the Boers. But the Boers know this country and they know how to fight and the Brits can't seem to get a handle on them. 
Now, the Brits, I will tell you in full disclosure, not to ruin the end of the story for you, the Brits obviously win this thing at the end because that's inevitable, but the Brits look absolutely terrible on the world stage for a variety of reasons. We'll get to those. One of those reasons is, like I said, it's not just me who thinks the Boers look kind of cool. The rest of the world's looking too. And, and they would do things, like I said, real Christian people, they would do things like fight to the death. I mean, fight to the absolute death, absurdly brave. But at the same time, if they got a British uh, wounded soldier, would treat him like gold. Would treat their own troops, their own wounded like gold, the enemy's troops like gold, believed in caring for the sick. I mean, just like I said, admirable people. How many scumbags and evil people do we talk about in the show? This, these are not one of them. Really admirable people. And the world sees this too. I mean, even Brits are seeing this and like, these people are that's kind of cool. What, what are we doing this for? Well, you're Britain. And if I have to defend Britain here, and Britain is always made out to be the bad guy in this story, understandably, nobody hears this story and roots for the Brits. It's like rooting for the evil empire. What are you supposed to do right now if you're the Brits? This is a colony. This war is costing a fortune, not just in manpower, in money. I forget what the total was, but it was in the billions for modern-day money this cost Britain. This war is costing a fortune. Men are dying. Your reputation may be being more wounded than anything else because everybody else is watching. How long is it going to take them to put down a couple boys? What is taking so long? You can't seem to stop them from beating up your railway. These are guerrilla fighters. They won't stand and fight. What are you going to do? The Brits do what occurs to them to do. You know, concentration camps, maybe you've heard of those things before. As soon as I say the word, I know what you picture. It's the same thing I picture. You know, Holocaust, Auschwitz, all that stuff. Do you know who started the concentration camp game? The Brits in the Boer War. You see, they knew the guerrillas could not survive without being constantly fed and resupplied from the local farms. Hang on. Simply Safe has changed the game. They have absolutely changed the home security game because it's so easy to get. And when I say easy to get, I mean easy to get. You log on to simplysafe.com slash Jesse. You can go there right now. You can go there on, the, on your phone. Simplysafe.com slash Jesse. You pick out what you want. They send it to you. You open up the box, you place the sensors, you can do it as a family, we did. You plug it in, and you're done. I'm not making that up. There aren't any contracts. There aren't any pushy sales guys. There's none of that. There's just outstanding, professionally monitored home security, and it's so easy. 
It's just so easy. Go to simplysafe.com slash Jesse. When you do that, that actually gets you free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. Simplysafe.com slash Jesse. The Brits begin the ultimate scorched earth campaign as major powers tend to do when they're stuck in a guerrilla war they don't know how to fight. The problem is it's nice to say little little clever cliches like, well, if you, you can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs. The reality on the ground, though, is breaking some eggs means loading women and children onto train cars. It means burning down homes. And when people hear about these burnt down homes, we're not talking about an ugly medieval castle somewhere. This is somebody's family home you're watching burn as the kids cry. You're talking slaughtering whole fields of livestock on purpose so the enemy can't eat. That sounds like a minor thing. It looks really bad. And it got worse when they got to the camps. Hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Britain has to own what comes next. The concentration camp part of it. You see, ladies and gentlemen, the Boer War isn't only famous for the fierce fighting that took place in the deserts and the mountains and the desert mountains. It's famous for 20,000 British troops dying, 14,000 Boers dying, and 26,000 Boer women and children Dying in concentration camps from malnutrition and disease. I still can't seem to find a straight answer on why. It's not as if I think Britain is some saintly country. There is no saintly country. But they also don't have some history of this kind of thing. They set up concentration camps for women and children and feed them. They didn't provide them with medicine. Their girls, teenage, sometimes younger, 
forced into prostitution in these camps. It is one of those black marks on British history. Every nation has them. Again, I'm not going to indict the country. That's such a stupid way to look at history, but it is an ugly, ugly bit of business for sure. The Boers eventually capitulated. There were no farms left. Their wives and children were locked up. There was nothing left for them to do. They eventually bowed to the British, surrendered all, and the Brits won the Second Boer War after years of fighting. But British reputation around the world, because this information came out right away. This is not some secret about these concentration camps and the burning farms. British reputation worldwide, to say it took a hit would be an understatement. And to indict to indict the entire country would be wrong because Brits, famous British authors, uh, Brits all over the country were killing their own country. What are we doing here? What is this? What did we do to these people? This is not who we are. Britain could have avoided all of this if they had simply realized the people, the Boers, they were crying out for law and order. They wanted to be left alone, and they wanted to be able to enforce the law. When they were told they couldn't enforce the law any longer, they even were going to live with that as long as the Brits enforced the law. When the Brits decided they weren't going to enforce the law, you have now forced an inevitable conclusion of rebellion and violence. This is not nearly the only example of this in the history of the world. A nation will have major long-term consequences if the nation itself decides, ah, law, we'll get to it when we get to it. You see, even though there's not necessarily a signed document that you put your name on or I put my name on, there is very much a contract, call it a social contract, a contract between Governments and the governed. That contract is ever-changing, but it always, 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 100% of the time, comes with a basic understanding. That understanding is, I will endure all manner of your inefficiencies and stupidity. I will even endure a bunch of abuse as is laid out in the Declaration of Independence. As long as I can, I will endure some abuse. As long as you hold up your end of the bargain and provide some protection. That is what a nation, when it comes way down to it, That is what a nation is. That's why a nation exists. 
It's why a tribe exists. Anytime there's a huge group of people or small group of people, huge landmass, small landmass, it doesn't matter. Whenever people gather together and decide to live together, the most basic reason they all do so is safety and protection. When that protection can no longer be provided, it's over. Period. We have fully entered a period of time in the United States of America that is post-law. And this is what I mean by that. I want you to take a moment. Take a moment and consider the violence we have seen over this country the past three or four months especially recently in places like Portland and places like Seattle. All right, now you got it. I know you know the video and all that. We've talked about that before. Now I want you to think for a moment how these violent terrorist acts in places like Portland where they're throwing bombs at our people, blinding federal law enforcement, They flat out took over a six-block area in Seattle. Think how that has been, one, covered by the media, and two, how has the Democratic Party spoken about it? Has anyone condemned it? If anything, they deny it, or they flat out encourage it, defend it. This is domestic terrorism in the streets with the consent of the government. There are only two reasons. There are two and only two reasons why people do not commit acts of violence in general. I know there are religious reasons always too, but two reasons, but this plays into one. One of those reasons is... They're worried about violence coming back to them. Why don't I stand up right now and go slap Chris across the face? Well, one, that would be really stupid and ignorant, and I'd get fired and sued and everything else. But two, in the back of my mind, um, I don't feel like getting slapped back. It's just it's a basic thing. When I walk down the hallway, you think people in this radio building don't hate my guts? They hate my guts. I mean, obviously some don't, but why doesn't anybody take a take a swing at me walking down the hall? One of the most basic reasons is they don't really want me swinging back. That's one of the two reasons. The second reason, this is the main reason that holds people back from it, is shame. Society shames that type of behavior out of you. Maybe your religious beliefs shame it out of you. Certainly, the people around you shame it out of you. I go home from work tonight. Honey, I I slapped Chris in the office today. She'd be horrified. What? Are you a monster? What's wrong with you? Why? Are you an idiot? That would be after everybody in the building screamed at me, fired me. Society decides they don't like violence. They don't like your acts of violence, so people don't do them. But let me ask you this. What happens when the shame is taken away from it? 
There's only one other reason they'll stop. The Jesse Kelly Show. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not, I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet, maybe they're animal smells, maybe you're a smoker or someone else was, just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever, ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours, I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one. Get two. Be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com. Promo code JESSE. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.